1: Fresh connell it is the last friday in july july 28 2023 fresh new podcast let me show you the room right now i'm in here along with mary danielson johnny rader is uh videoing this for our youtube channel so if you uh are not on youtube you haven't seen the videos q90 fm radio is the channel q90 fm radio on youtube and uh, this will be going to video as well good morning
0: Good morning. It is indeed Fresh Podcast Friday. 100% natural, nothing artificial, no preservatives, unless we're talking about God's nature and the Word of God. And I have two scripture passages today. My name is Mary Danielson. Welcome to the podcast. Psalm 31:23 23 and 24 says, O love the Lord, all you his godly ones, the Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm ninety-one ten to 12 says, Likewise, hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Pray with me this morning before we welcome our guests. Oh Lord, we come before you with thanksgiving and praise today. Your goodness and your faithfulness restores our souls every single day. Thank you for what you do to preserve your people and to keep us from evil. Uh, give us courage, Lord. We need courage to go forth and speak your name with all boldness and grace. We pray for our guests today and the Leffler family that you would continue to use him We ask you to protect and strengthen him in the inward man and give him many open doors to share your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. John Leffler is my guest today. John's a 40-year broadcast news veteran and hosted the weekly news program Steel on Steel for 32 years. John is a researcher, and a lot of his materials can be found at Koinonia House in their online store, and that would be khouse.org and at compass international and that would be compass dot org welcome back to stand up for the truth john
1: let me turn on the right button i (laughs) i actually turned on the phone button i turned on the phone button and he is on this great technology where are you Where, where are you located I'm in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, this morning, where it's a beautiful morning in the forest. And it sounds like he's right here in their studio, it right? It does. Right. Yeah.
0: It does, indeed. It's amazing
1: technology, when it works. It's wonderful. yeah? Okay, you want to do that again? Yeah. We can edit all that out <laughs>
0: for the video. <laughs> Yes, the, the <laughs> multilingual podcast today. Uh John, the war on truth. Wow, it's become so fierce today. And it's not just in suppressing the truth on so many fronts, and that's Romans 1, that's a whole other podcast, but uh, actually as believers we're accustomed to our convictions really being shredded in the court of public opinion, but actively opposing it. Okay, and so at what point will truth lovers be coerced into changing how we think and perhaps even forcibly threaten us if we do not pair it What the World Calls Truth. So, John, uh, open us up here. Where are we at in the truth wars? We're way past being canceled, aren't we?
1: Um, We're we're just getting past cancel culture into what I call coercive culture. Mm. Um, And being canceled by its nature is coercive, right? That's what it's designed to do. And there's a reason. You said, you know, we're being shredded in in the court of public opinion. We're really not being shredded. We're being criticized and attacked. The problem is is that you can't respond in certain courts, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what cancel culture is all about because logic and reason would carry the day. They know we have winning arguments, and so since they don't have so – somebody who believes in relative value cannot have winning arguments because their arguments just flip-flop and go all over the place, and you can take them apart in seconds. Uh, and so they know they can't do that. So they only have one option left, And that is to cancel people either off their jobs or, you know, wherever it happens to go. Uh, But it's stepping up to the next level, at least the effort to take it up there in coercing people. And, of course, that's the same thing as a social credit score. That's what that's all designed to do Mm -hmm. is to coerce you, not by necessarily throwing you in jail. Uh, This is the whole new tyranny that even Vaclav Havel pointed out way back Oh, what was it? We should say about late 1990s when he talked about the the power of the powerless. And he said the new dictatorship is is not a glory and honor of a person like a Stalin or a Hitler or a Lenin, etc. It's rather glorification of an idea. And then everybody has to bow and scrape and give lip service to the idea. Truth is not the object. Okay, only adherence to the narrative. The problem, Havel pointed out, was that once two or three people stand up and go, wait a minute, the emperor has no clothes, uh, suddenly Mm -hmm. that becomes a real threat. Why did they go after Artur Pavlovsky so fiercely in Calgary, Alberta? Why? He was a loud, dissenting voice. Uh, in Canada's liberal culture, they couldn't tolerate that. Why did Trudeau trample all over the truckers and things, even though the Canadian government had completely bungled the whole uh, lockdown, etc.? Mm-hmm. Because they were loud protesting voices, and we won't tolerate that in the name of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're hearing.
0: Wow. Yes. You know, you have to watch what we say, obviously, because, uh, YouTube or whatever, uh, they will pull the plug. And, and even, uh, searching for information. Now, I find when I'm researching here and I'm searching for information, I have pretty much gotten to the point where I expect nothing to come up that is useful for me. And I've been doing this since the nineties. And you used to be able to Google or whatever Google was at the time and you could just find things. So that was the first thing that I found is I could no longer find anything unless I had a specific website that I wanted to go to. You can't do subject-related searches anymore. Um, And and so this, to me, was one of the very first sort of eye-opening things. And then it went on from there. Of course, social media, um, which has just been sort of the end of civilization as we've known it, even with people-to-people, censorship, uh, disinformation, fake news. Um, What is there something that we can even do at this point? I I don't know where, where we're at with all that, but what... What should we do to at least um, be able to still speak the, the truth? What what are our options um, to be informed?
1: Well, you can always speak the truth. It's just there may be a very negative consequence for so doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what separates the real faithful from the from the, the hoi polloi out there. Because I noticed uh, before we got on air, we were talking about uh, the new platform debanking. That's the new one here. Mm-hmm. And as if you watch the multiple trends that are going on, uh, over on one side we have a push towards social conformity. On the other, the Western banking system is plowing into a, a perfect storm. They know it. We know it. Maybe the average public doesn't know it, but that's it. And they're going to have to do something to bail this whole thing out. Uh, when you look right now, that say, for example, the total revenues brought in by the Internal Revenue Service in form of taxes only covers the debt service now and Social Security. All the other spending of the government is not covered by that. So you're going to see that governments will become more and more rapacious, just becoming giant money-sucking machines mm-hmm. to try to keep this whole game going. Okay, so why is that important to truth? Well, because as this whole system needs a giant reset, Oh, where have we heard that term before? (laughs) As the whole system needs a reset, they're going to use that crisis to reset us. And part of that resetting is to force people to conform by making your actual ability to participate in the economic system in jeopardy if you don't. Mm-hmm. and you know nigel farage was debanked. although mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw the story this morning every once in a while mary there's sort of a pleasant little uh happenstance i guess there was such a row as they say in great britain uh <laughs> it was fallout over nigel farage having his account shut down right. Right. that already parliament is moving to pass laws against that mm. and if we were to do that uh, ironically yuval harari came up with a good idea oh, you know i've been listening to a lot of his books uh and i won't let's not go into his philosophy and everything else mm-hmm. but he was talking about artificial intelligence and he said we must pass legislation almost immediately that when you are online talking to an ai computer it must identify itself mm. because ai is moving so fast that it will appear to us to be sentient. It probably won't be, but it doesn't have to be. It just has to convince us that it is. And it does that by getting used to us and how we talk and think and then beginning to address that, and suddenly you feel like you have a lanceman there, you know, you have a a brother in arms. He said, we must identify that immediately. And that's one piece of legislation that I actually agree with him. Mm -hmm. It needs to be passed. The second one is... No one can be denied a job or fired from a job or debanked or any other social thing, uh, on the basis of their, so their political, religious or philosophical or moral opinions. That must be passed into law. Uh, because the lawmakers are woefully, and I mean woefully behind the curve in trying to keep up with exactly what's going on. And as you both know, uh, this has tremendous momentum. Mm-hmm. It's being driven by forces that are far beyond your state legislature or your Congress.
0: Wow. wow. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My guest is John Leffler this morning. And uh, just going back just a little bit, if people don't know who Nigel Farage is, he's he was the British Brexit party leader. He's a very well-known uh, politician. Um, I think he's, he's a broadcaster or a, a news guy, but... um uh, he, he says, uh, in Britain, a well known politician, Nigel Farage, has had his bank account closed by a bank called Coots, C O U T T S, that specializes in rich clients. It's owned by the much larger National Westminster Bank, whose largest single shareholder by far since 2008 is the British government. Uh, and then it says, Farage has been friendly with Donald Trump and has been opposed to, uh, the excesses of transgender ideology and the pursuit of zero, uh, emissions. So he doesn't fit you know, as a global citizen at all. Um, but it, it does prove, and I think this uh, Zero Hedge article does say, that they closed his account for purely political reasons. And so, yeah, people are scrambling a little bit. And you said that was this morning that, they're going, that they backtracked on him?
1: There's a lot of backtracking going on. There was a huge amount of public outcry, and Parliament's actually looking right now at passing laws, and some of the banks are already saying, "Okay, we're we're going to put ourselves in conformity with this law." Mm-hmm. So this is the problem with the Great Reset as it's going right now. It's ornery people who are loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and that. It, yep. This this is a real problem. Uh, it may work in China with the social credit score and and the way they manipulate people, but there are still enough wise people in the West that are screaming about it. I, I I was really surprised that it was Great Britain because if you look at this uh, Titanic, as we say, of Western civilization that's trying to sink, you know, Britain's up there in the foreground of of sinking it. I was surprised that during the lockdowns, and related issues, the Australians were just as absolutely complacent as they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to friends who, who live there and were describing everything that was going on. Canada is halfway in between, but that's because there's so much slop over across the border. Canadians are not uninformed. Yeah. And uh, there's enough you know cross influence that's going on there. Yeah. But it, this, it it's right here that the battle seems to be fierce in the united states where mm-hmm. people are saying okay enough of this balderdash you mm-hmm. know yeah we're not go- we're not going to allow it
0: well and dr mercola who um people say is the number one source of COVID misinformation well he's not but that's the way uh, the world looks at him but right. on, on a different side of the coin here now he is um, probably one of the most well-known alternative medicine uh, people in this country i've known about him for many many years but what happened was uh july 13th jp morgan he Joseph says, J.P. Morgan, informed me they're closing all my business accounts along with my personal accounts of my CEO, my CFO, and their respective spouses and children. My CEO has informed his young children also will never be allowed to bank with Chase in the future. No reason was given other than there was, quote, unquote, unexpected activity on an unspecified account, which, of course, is likely not true. And then he goes on to say, this is what the new social credit system looks like and what every soul on the planet can expect from the CBDCs that are being rolled out. Um, so your financial life will, you could be deleted. And some of these, I was reading the whole article and it's too long to go into here, but, but now people rely on this money. I don't know. Do they keep their money? Do they no longer, are their assets frozen? Uh, one gal uh, on the, uh, his staff has to take care of her very ill husband and they, she needs that money. Now lives are being destroyed by this. And I don't think Mercola is going to have quite as easy a time as Mr. Farage did. Uh, so now we have two completely different uh situations that may come out very, very differently. What what do you think about uh Mercola's because uh this has to do with his his COVID um quote unquote misinformation.
1: Right. Uh and this is important. You know what is tragic? Is you have Americans actually implementing anti-American policies when you were talking Mm -hmm. there i was making a list as you were running look at the the bill of rights free speech they're challenging his right to free speech and exchange of information uh the knowing the charges against you Mm -hmm. okay that's the next one well, you know, you're going to be debanked for reasons that are blah blah blah. It's sort of like violating our community standards, whatever the bejeebers that means. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, the purely arbitrary nonsense. So those are two of the rights in the Bill of Rights. Number three, the right to be secure in your persons, papers, and possessions. And of course, we began to assault that when we introduced forfeiture laws back in the 1980s, which have been widely abused. And then after 911, we made it worse uh and you know there were voices like myself pointing out at the time wait a minute there's no checks on that oh we're just gonna go after bad guys well Mm -hmm. that sounds good except someday i'm going to be the bad guy because i don't do what you tell me to do so the tragedy is that we have americans who don't seem to understand what the rights enshrined to the Bill of Rights are all about. It's called the spirit of the law. They shouldn't even be doing this. But even on college campuses, you know, when uh, students or college professors would be accused of, say, rape or something else, we find there are kangaroo courts going on where the outcomes are predetermined. Now, if these are the people training the next generation of Americans, we're really in trouble because you're finding when you talk to people now in their 20s, they don't know anything. Mm. They think they do, and they're very arrogant about what they think <laughs> they know. But they actually know virtually nothing. Not only can they not read, write, spell, think, they do not know, and this is the critical one today because that's our subject, they do not know how to actually find truth. And maybe we could talk about that a bit.
0: Yeah, what what exactly? I mean, there are so many ways that the church has compromised. Sometimes, in some cases, the church itself has pulled itself out of the truth equation, you know, with all these different programs and seeker-sensitive and, and, oh, you know, the Bible isn't actually the word of God and it is what you think it is. And so the church is not a good example of finding truth or maintaining truth. Not every church, but we've had enough movements over the last 10 years that we know that uh, the church is on a slippery slope in a lot of ways. And so these are unbelieving youth who don't even know where to start. John, help us out with that.
1: Well, I had a pastor come to me, oh, must be 15 years ago. He invited me to go to lunch, and, you know, free lunch, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> and he said, John, I don't really understand what's going on with our high school youth. He said, we've got our Bible programs, we've got our this, that, and... He said, but on Monday, they're doing drugs. They're shacking up with their girlfriends. They're, you know, the whole list of stuff. It's like there's a total dichotomy. So he went on for a while and everything. And then I stopped him because I'd been working on this for a, for a speech. And I said, look, Pastor, what you don't understand is you think it's what you're teaching them. It's not. It's how they're being taught to think. Mm. <laughs> and... And, and I began to describe it. So, can, we've probably done this on shows before. Let's just do a sidebar if we could. I want to sure. talk about it. Sure. How the postmodern mind thinks, of which most millennials and now Gen Zs have been taught in the public school system. Remember, the change occurred in 1989 when the keynote speech at the governor's conference was given by Dr. Uh, Dorothy McCune, and she was telling you we're no longer going to teach facts in schools we're going to teach them quote critical thinking well critical thinking doesn't mean logic and reason like we were traditionally trained in you know coming from the ironically even christians do owe a debt to aristotle and socrates and plato because they established the rules for western thought which has made the west so successful and so prosperous um And that was where the change was. But everybody yawned. Everybody applauded that was part of the leading left progressive crowd in education far ahead of where liberals were at the time. And you're now seeing the results of it. So how how does the millennial mind think? Well, first of all, it all revolves around uh, no absolute truth. And no absolute truth means no absolute morals. Uh, You pointed out uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mary, that you said you can have your own truth. Remember, you have your truth and I have my Mm -hmm. truth. Uh, The only difference you can't do is when you say you have your truth, you can't say my truth is wrong. (laughs) That's right. But the truth tends to exclude all competitors, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. You know. Okay, so since it's relative truth, that's the first thing. It's relative. It's not anchored to anything but constantly changing morals, which is the second characteristic. It is constantly changing because the tides of life change, which is what puts our legal system in jeopardy. And you can see that today, where people are trying to get judicial activism to float the law based on what they feel they want at any given moment, what outcome they desire. So since it's constantly changing, they have another problem. Uh, That becomes self-contradictory. The laws, or not the laws, but the thoughts that they taught us five years ago, suddenly contradict what they're teaching us today. And what you wind up with is a lot of clanging and banging and contradicting ideas that they keep trying to spout. Now, they have to reconcile all of that, and that's what this intersectionality is all about. The intersectionality is is sort of a feeble effort to somehow reconcile all of the internal Mm self-contradictions. But here are the next two important facets where they wind up. They are compartmentalized. This is point number four. The truths are compartmentalized. In one compartment, you have your Bible compartment. In the other one, you have your sex life compartment. Third one, you have your family life compartment. And you can have contradicting truths in each of these compartments. And the only unpardonable sin is to open a door between the two compartments. It's like matter and antimatter. You know, <laughs> they don't do it. And that's where they will get mad at you. Uh, is if you start opening these doors and applying logic and reason. And so finally, in order to glue this all together, it is consensus-driven. And this is the most important part, because it's what you see today, that everybody who thinks in a postmodern mindset talks to somebody else, and they're all virtue-signaling to each other, telling each other that they're logical, they're great, they're good. Uh, the problem is when reality intrudes on that. That's what they get all upset about. Because for you and me, uh, say I walked up to you, Mary, and I said, You know, I've been given some thought here, and you know, like Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, maybe Jesus wasn't really God. Maybe he was just the Son of God, a man who was put here, blah, blah, blah. And Mary would say, John, what have you been smoking? Uh, But we'd have a good debate over the whole thing, and I'd probably go, yeah, I think you're right, Mayor, I'm wrong on that point. Uh, But it doesn't wreck our foundation. For the people who are into compartmentalized, consensus-driven truth, any deviation anywhere threatens to collapse the entire structure. And that's why as soon as that happens, and you've seen this, I'm sure, when you talk to people that are in this mindset they they either check out they get this glazed look I call it communing with the spirits you know they sort of glaze out and look to the heavens and you can tell they've lost the conversation mm-hmm. or number two they stick their fingers in their ear and they run away they go no 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 and out they go <laughs> uh, or number three they just explode in a paroxysm of anger going, yeah, and they go right. on for usually about two and a half to three minutes. It's all irrational. You can sit there and I, I tell people, don't even bother to interrupt them. Just start the stopwatch on your watch and let it run because they'll run out of steam in about two and a half to three minutes and then wonder what just happened to mm-hmm. them or they'll go trotting off to their safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because their structure only held together by each of them telling the other that they're good, they're logical, they're reasonable, right. and the facts support them. Right. Soon as soon as con- even one contradictory fact can bring down the whole house. The house of cards. You're listening to Stand
0: Up for the Truth. We're talking to John Leffler today about truth, and I'm thinking about okay. I was raised in a culture that said, "I'll give you something to cry about." All right. So when we were overly, you know, self-absorbed and, and feeling a pity party coming on, our parents would say things like that. Now they have something called SEL, social emotional learning. Well, we didn't have that in school, but it says here the official definition, just as there's a difference between doing projects and project-based learning, there's a similar difference in teaching SEL skills and literacies and SEL as a model or a framework. How do you feel about your gender? How do you feel about uh this ideology or that ideology, well, I don't like it, you know, and I can't control my emotions, so you need to control them for me and all that basic stuff that goes on. So, John, don't you think we just have a few minutes before the break here, but isn't that kind of the huge, to me, that's a huge difference between, I was raised by nuns, all right, and now we have these kids. How do you feel about getting up in the morning? How can how in the world can we come against that or undo that because they're all just snowflakes? <laughs>
1: Well, and that's the problem that you're having with all millennials because it spreads out into everything. I've been talking to business owners here locally. I like to walk in even to ice cream shops and you name it, wherever you happen to be, uh, and you say, uh, how's it going with the employees? And they'll shake their heads, okay, tell me about it. Um, if you have somebody who's been homeschooled, private schooled, given a good classical education and thinks didactically with logic and reason. They said those kids come in, they get to work, they understand there's a task or this or that. So the the millennial crowd that were not raised that way seem non-directed. They, If you notice, they can't organize. Uh, they have a very difficult time because they were never taught logic and reason and flow of ideas. And I'm finding this in the medical profession. Mm. It's terrible working with somebody now who's now in their 30s. And they have this slop thinking in their heads. And the only thing they can do is seem to do whatever the establishment says. But I I don't know if that answers your question or not, Mary, does it? Yeah,
0: I I think it does. I I just see such a huge difference between how I was raised and and how they're being raised. And we do see it, I think, across the board. I was really surprised uh, during COVID. They had this something called contact tracing. And if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone who was near someone who sneezed, you need to let us know about that. And, and it's, it's kind of, um, I'm imagining in this new technological world being retaliated against by a neighbor. I mean, what brought that about? Because, um, they said something political that someone didn't like or they did something and, you know, now your children and your grandchildren are paying a price for being punished for something. And it just seems like there's such a, um, I don't even know how to describe it, an environment of, of um, that harshness of towards a person's neighbor based on something that you did or you didn't do or that I did, or I saw you do. And I think this is kind of part of this possibly that whole mindset yeah. of,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it is because it's feeling based. Okay. okay. In other words, they were told this is the generation that got a trophy just for showing up. Mm-hmm. There was very strong emphasis in the schools of, you know, follow your feelings and, uh, it's okay to have all these feelings, yada, yada, yada. And your feelings are as good as everybody else's feelings. As a man recently told me who puts in large infrastructure for factories and stuff, he had to take a course on how to work with millennials. And they're saying, well, you have to do this and you have to affirm them. And he's sitting there. He told me, he said, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't have time for this nonsense. Yeah. We have to get this done. <laughs> yeah. That was the difference. But you notice the change, by the way? It be Before... The, uh, before the whole thing, it was my body, my choice when it came to abortion. But when it was due to COVID, it was your body, the government's choice. And by the way, if you keel over and die, we're not responsible. Right. And that's not the only thing that we've seen these. We're, we're in, we've been in constant flip flopping. Yeah. Depending on the issue, why it's compartmentalized, and so if you apply it over here, well, we can flip positions over there. Mm-hmm. That's that's the problem you've got.
0: Yeah, and now it's hard enough to find even people to fill positions to keep life going in jobs. But the I, you know, they will sign up for a job or, say, or get hired, and then they'll decide the next day they don't even want to show up. I mean, I I, I because guess it's
1: based on feelings.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, don't feel, feel like, like coming to work up right now. Well, that's, that's gonna, that, that's like playing, uh, what's the game where you, you, uh, have the wooden blocks and you stack them up and you pull one out and everything. Basically, hits yeah. the table, right? I can't think of the name of it—the wooden block game. But that's kind of the way this is, and society Jenga. can't function. Jenga, that's
1: it. I should have known. I
0: played that with yeah, my daughter. I,
1: I knew it, but I was afraid to say it wrong.
0: I was going to say Tetris, <laughs> so I'm really messed
1: <laughs> up. Yeah. I didn't, didn't want to. I didn't put any profanity. Yeah. Well, but but you have to have mercy on these people. Uh, oh, well, yeah. The, the, they weren't trained. In other words, let me tell you what the the, the corollary of this, as this whole thing unravels economically they 're going to be asked to take the burdens of the last fifty years and pay for them they 're not going to know which way is yeah, up yeah. we need to be able to orient them because they're going to be looking
0: well, yes, this is standing standard for the truth we are talking to John Leffler we're parsing out truth and and uh, and the younger generation and that does not know or understand how that all works and there are so much so much coming against us as far as truth goes and so many opportunities to Uh, to really surrender. I call them terms of surrender, misinformation, disinformation, fake news, narratives, propaganda, whistleblowing, psyops, chaos, Uh, so many terms for all these things. But we really want to look a little bit deeper into this with John Leffler. And we are hope you come back with us after the break. Uh, We'll be back in two minutes. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. We are talking to John Leffler here. You can find his resources at khouse.org, compass.org. Uh, I wanted to talk just a little bit, John, about the, the church itself. Now, we talked in the last segment about how young people view everything. How does this make me feel? Well, that isn't going to translate well into the church. And so, you know, how are they able to, able to even find the truth anymore? I guess I don't know, but it's the same way. We, we share our faith with people. Hopefully they'll hear the gospel. Hopefully they'll respond. But we have, um, a church that could go that direction. We had seeker sensitive movement. You know, these things have a shelf life, but we also have a compromising church. Um, there are basically four reasons that Christians compromise. There's a fear of rejection, of course. Of course, that again is how does that make you feel? Uh, sympathy for, other practices, you don't want to stand on God's word. You just would rather be tolerant. Um, pleasure, the willingness to give in to things, to just be happy. Uh, or laziness, too lazy to fight for what God believes and what God tells us to do. Um, there are stages of compromise. What's what's the hope for the church? You know, the boomers are getting older, of course. And um, how is this translating to that feeling generation? How does this make you feel? What What is the church going to look like when they are leading the church?
1: Um, well, it's what we're doing here. I think we're guilty of equivocation Mm -hmm. in using the term the church, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Uh, Richard Vornbrown said every church has two groups of people in it. Those who think they are Christians and those who actually are. And he said the only way you can tell the difference is between is what by what they do and only in a time of trial. Uh, because that's what separates the, the sheep and the goats. It forces them out for that reason, because telling the truth has consequences, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we're going to see three types of churches. And by the way, this is what Francis Schaeffer predicted back in the 1970s when he wrote The Great Evangelical Disaster, is that if the church continued to absorb... The what he called the spirit of the zeitgeist, you know, the, yes, spirit, of yeah. the, time, the spirit of the time, that it would no longer be able to stand against the spirit of the age because it would look just like it. It would be speaking its language. It would have lost its salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we'll see three types of churches. Uh, the first ones are the compliant churches. Those will be the ones that the church is a place to come and feel good and have community gathering and say some prayers. Uh, They generally comply with the ideas of the culture around them, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. The second will be the complacent churches. Those are the ones who don't agree but keep their mouths shut. And I'll be honest, there have been a lot of Bible churches that up until now in the culture battle have always chosen to run back into the church, slam the doors, and say, we're just going to preach the Bible and Mm -hmm. lean out the window every so often telling people (laughs) to come in. Yeah. Okay. Now the third group will be the courageous churches. Those are the ones who draw the line in the sand, and they say, we're not going any further. And I think those will become island churches of the real faithful that are in the other churches. They will attract them. We're seeing that happen right here. Uh, Our church, we've had so many people move in from uh, California. Over half the population is now ex-California. And our church has had to gone to, has had to go to four services to handle the crowd. And we're talking about, we were formerly, when I first moved here 27 years ago, the town's movie theater. We had five movie theaters. We stripped out the walls and, and did it. So you have three movie theaters combined into one sanctuary and they're full a lot Mm -hmm. of times to the point we can't handle it. So those are going to be the island churches. The difficulty you have is is this new thought is being taught in seminaries. You have younger pastors coming in, uh, and it's a, it's a toxin. It's like a metastasized disease that then spreads because the whole process of, I call it, wokus pocus thinking <laughs> is, uh, is toxic to faith. Your faith can't stand. Look, the only thing that keeps your faith going in a time of trouble is that you have reference points. You know, Richard Braun was asked when he was in prison. Remember, he was in for 14 years. I think it was, was it four or eight of them in solitary confinement? Mm-hmm. He said, I didn't remember what the sky looked like. I didn't remember that the sky was blue. I didn't remember colors because everything was gray, white, and black where I was, on and so forth. He said, I could barely remember my name, but he was asked which scripture verse gave him the most comfort, and he said, not a single one. He said, by the time they got through with all the brainwashing and everything else they did, I couldn't remember my name barely, and I just couldn't remember them. We all tried to recall little bits of scriptures and write them down, the Christians that were in jail. He said, but what did get me through it was the relationship with the God of the universe, the God who is there, that the scriptures talk about. Uh, And he said that was the living relationship that that got him through it. And so what absolute truth does when truth starts with God and then works through his word and uses logic and reason is you have reference points, Mary, in the midst of everything else going on. You know, I, I flew into a thunderstorm by accident one time on an instrument flight plan, and all during the challenging 10 minutes that followed as we were hitting 1,000-foot-a-minutes ups and down drafts and lightning bolts in front of the plane and ball lightning bouncing along the wing, mm-hmm. uh, was I'm keeping my reference points and talking to the controller, keep your head, keep the aircraft upright, you know, and figure out how I'm going to get out of this and where I'm going to go. I was relying on external reference points that are absolute, like information from the VOR at Rock Springs VOR mm-hmm. in Rock Springs, Wyoming. And that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps your faith going. Mm. And sometimes it just involves, you know, gritting your teeth together <laughs> like that and saying, like, like the, the fiery furnace, you know, uh, well, okay, our God can save us. Remember the three men? Okay. And Daniel, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, Well, the heck, the heck with you, O King. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. True North, right? I mean, we got to remember what true North
1: is. That's right. Yeah. And so the millennials, you said this, the millennials and now Gen Z's and even part of the Gen Xers that who went before them. Um, they are in this flippy floppy mode. Everything works as long as they have a job. They have the warm, comfy queuing around them telling them that they are fine and everything's great. When things get rough, they will become totally disorganized and begin flopping around, actually trying to look for concrete reference points mm-hmm. that they tell us don't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's where the church and the gospel can come in because you do have the reference points. It's like, you know, fret ye not out. Okay. Panic ye not. Uh, we, saw, you know where we saw this happen during the lockdown? Suddenly you had millions of American public school students at home with their parents. And the parents are just freaking out. <laughs> well, you know they were. What do I do? I've never done this before. How do I do this? I'm I am got to be a parent. What do I do? Yeah. I, I've gotta be a parent. I've got to teach them. I've never done this before. I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, you know what bailed them out? The the homeschoolers. The homeschool te- moms stood up and told all their friends and said, Okay, freaky and not out. Okay, let me show you how to do this. And they did. They said, you do this every day. You establish discipline. You establish a regiment. You have a a goal and curriculum, whatever. It was those people who had the reference points that were able to tell the parents who did not how they could get through this. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I see on social media a lot, there's a, a word called adulting. And you know, so now they've verbed this noun that where you spend most of your life as an adult. let's face it, the the majority of the years on this earth are not as a child. You have to move on, but now we have a whole uh generation that says "adult is now a verb, and I need to just do it, um whether I know how to do it or not, but whatever happened to happen whatever happened to just being one. Right? I mean, that's.
1: Yeah. Or we used to say in, in uh, my jargon, man up. <laughs> What's up, Sarah? I just broke a norm there. The alarm just went off. Okay. <laughs> man up. Um, and, but, <laughs> but the apostle Paul tells us that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Quit ye like men. Yeah. All right. Behave like men. You do what you need to do to get the job done. Although, I could never figure out the King James because he's telling you, "You want the men to quit." Yeah, yeah, that what you're yeah. <laughs> is a funny one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Well, no, he's just he says act. He's t- telling the men in the church, "Act like men." Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a weird culture. It's just all on its head. The church actually needs a great reset because you know there are fifty. Speaking of Richard uh, Wormbrand, uh, there are fifty-two countries where the Bible is illegal. So there's the other end of the spectrum, and if we were to get to that point where the very things that We need to do uh, and want to do and have to do become illegal. Now we have to go to zero. We have to zero everything out and live like probably we should have in the first place. Um, You know, read the word and and be ready to give an account of of what the hope that is within us. Um, What do you think? Should the church, uh, hopefully, the church will get a great reset? I mean, that's a persecution thing, right? The church needs a good dose of persecution. You hear that all the time.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, and what's wrong with going back to do that? I don't, you know, people have been talking about revival for a long time. Mm -hmm. I I don't read that in the scriptures. I'm sorry it's not there. However, there every revival is simply a flat area on the way down. Uh, is typically mm-hmm. what happens. And then the culture needs a total reboot. Mm-hmm. God rebooted the world at least once. That was during the flood. Yeah. Uh, I call Revelation the book of renovation <laughs> because it's another reboot. He finally just says, okay, it's a mess and there's nothing we can do about it. You, you know, when you realize it with artificial intelligence, this is a side trail, I guess, but. Right now, Satan doesn't care which God you worship as long as it's not the right one. Mm -hmm. Okay. He doesn't, he doesn't care what truth you, your truth, quote unquote, you believe as long as it isn't the real truth. Now, that's not going to be forever. Uh, In the end, there's only going to be one that's tolerated, that's worshiped is what Revelation tells us that. Okay. You can see from the Mark of the Beast, no one can buy or sell, but that, that he should take the mark, right? Well, what's social credit score and debanking all about? You're yeah. staring at it. Mm-hmm. You're staring at biblical prophecy coming true. But you realize that Antichrist, that Satan for the first time, in as much as possible in the physical realm, will be omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He'll know everything everybody's doing. He'll be present all around the world through the electronic system. Uh, And he'll be omnipotent in being able to coerce everybody. And, of course, it says in the Scripture, here's a call for the patience and the faith of the saints. You just, for those people who are in the tribulation time, you just have to last it out for three and a half years. And Jesus said those times would be cut short. Remember, in his Olivet Discourse, for the sake of the elect. He said if we didn't cut this short, no flesh would be saved. He said Mm -hmm. that's it. it. It would just be too bad.
0: Yeah. And I think to myself, you know, as much as these, uh, it's a great article I have in front of me, I'm going to reference in a second here. Um, it seems as though the mandatory mark is three and a half years in, three and a half years away from now. I mean, that's kind of a long time when you think about it. So how close are we to something really, really major taking place? This article called uh, World Coin it says, have you had your eyes scanned by the orb yet? All it takes is just one trip, and once your data is in the database, you will receive some free money and a new digital identity that you will be able to use all over the Internet. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people in Europe have already signed up. Those who have created WorldCoin intend for it to be a new identity and a new financial network that is owned by everyone on the entire planet. Oh, you can have a part of this. The following comes directly from the official website, more than three years ago, we founded WorldCoin with the ambition of creating a new identity and financial network owned by everyone. The rollout begins today. It will drastically increase economic opportunity, blah, 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 right? Um, but it basically says, um, oh, this printed funny. Uh, the goal is simple and modest, to create a system that will freely distribute to- tokens to all 8 billion people on the planet as a form of universal basic income. Okay, you don't need a job. But because of the rise of AI will make it tricky to figure out who's human and who's a digital fake, it needs to create a system that let, that lets people all across the globe prove that they are human beings. But I never thought I would read that, John. I never thought I would read something how bizarre <laughs> on the radio. But a lot of people have signed up for this. Um, thousands of people in Europe have had their eyeballs scanned and been issued a World ID um, if reports are to be believed, the uptake in Spain, where the scheme first became available a year ago, has 150,000 participants,
1: and then Portugal.
0: <laughs> I mean, what in the world it is, is there
1: more to come? Is this it? Is there more to come? John? Oh, it, it's moving with breathtaking it speed. Is. When I started to do this in 1990, you know, I left mainline broadcasting and started to do this, my show, Steel on Steel. We talked about all of this as in the future. And I was being told by pastors and everyone, because we were a daily show on the Colorado Christian Network at the time, um, that I was extreme. And I would say, no, I know what the elites are saying. I know where the trends are going. I know what history tells us. And I know what human nature is like. You just project all those parallel trends forward, and we have no choice But to arrive here, I even was discussing that on the air one day with Attorney General John Ashcroft back in the early 2000s. And he said, well, the American people just won't stand for it. Well... They're standing mm, for it. Yeah they are. <laughs> so it's really, you know, you you triggered something in my head. You know, it was funny. <laughs> uh, Richard Vornbrun one time, some man was up, this is during these whole debates, talking about atheism and that we're just the products of evolution and that all of us are just piles of chemicals and nothing more. Right. And therefore, there's no spiritual significance. And I think he got up on the stage and he walked over. He says, do you really believe that? Of course, the guy says, well, yes. And Vornbrun slapped him real hard. Of course the guy was going to get ticked off and Warmbron said now you can't get angry cuz you're just a pile of chemicals. That wow. that shouldn't be a problem for you. Yeah. you know? wow. <laughs> See what he did is what Warmbron did is he I call it lightning rod it. And that's what you need to start doing with millennials when they say things, ask them questions that make them go think cuz what Warmbron did right there is just brought it right down to the ground almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And said, okay, let's apply that. Uh, college professors, University of Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Now you want to prove that they really do believe in absolute truth? Just announced there's going to be a 30% cut across the board for salaries for all professors, even tenured professors. Watch how fast they believe in mm-hmm. absolute truth. Okay. <laughs> See, The only area they believe in non-absolute truth is in the area of metaphysics, morals, and religious belief. That's the only area when everybody is allowed to have your your fungible ideas, but uh, don't apply them to me unless okay. I get to apply them to you. Yes. Because that's what we were told for years and years. Don't push your values on everyone. Well, they're pushing values. My body, my choice. Now mm-hmm. it's your body, the government's choice. Yeah. The, the big issue in the future is going to be denial of service, Mary. Yes. Denial of health care, You name whatever the service is, social security, retirement, job, if you don't conform, Mm -hmm. unless laws are passed right away to try to deal with that. And ultimately, I think it will fail because the scripture tells us it's going to fail. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think to myself, the Christians are going to be the first to go, probably won't even be part of the system at all, because that's what they're going to start with. They're going to start with people who disagree and people who are Christians, and they're just going to take you out right away. So... I don't know how long we're going to be here yet. I have no idea what God's timetable is for the church. We're seeing more than I ever thought we would. I have to say that. Um, I got saved in the early eighties and the barcodes came out and everybody said, yeah, the barcode is the mark of the beast. And, you know, cause there weren't, those black things weren't on every item you bought. I remember when that didn't exist. Uh, but that was just the beginning because now Leo Holman has an article that says more nations rolling out digital IDs, making them mandatory to access bank accounts. Uh, and like you said, government benefits.
1: Let l- me let me make something really importantly clear. Okay. Everybody <laughs> freaks out. Is taking a chip in your hand mm-hmm. against the Bible? No. Mm-hmm. Is doing this? No. Uh, Constance Cumbe wrote Hidden Dangers of the yes. Rainbow, and, mm-hmm. and it appeared in 1980. Yeah. And she very aptly said, to take the mark of the beast is not simply to have an ID number so you can get a job and buy things. Mm-hmm. It is agreeing into a luciferic system like burning incense to the emperor was back in the time of the diocletian persecution Mm -hmm. okay it's more than just taking there's nothing intrinsically wrong with this until you realize the sin nature of mankind the urge for power money and control and of course where scripture says we're going to wind up and the demonic influence there are four levels that ride right now and once you get these in your head then you see oh i think i see what's going on level one's what i call the hoi polloi that's you and me we're the bottom feeders the little guys running around (laughs) the cheap seats yeah the the, the cheap seats right? (laughs) we're up in the nosebleed right (laughs) uh the second crowd those are the true believers They really believe it's about climate change. They really believe it's about Black Lives Matter. They really believe it's fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And some of those are valid issues. I, I, you know, they can be debated. The third level are the power, money, and control people. Those are the ones in the global elite. And we could think of a few like Schwab and you, we can go down the list, right? right? Uh, those people come and go on the world stage. Uh, they are the ones who, No, it's not about any of the people in level two. But they're more than happy to use the people in level two to get where they're going. Mm. But as every socialist revolution always does, as soon as the level three, the power, money and control people will get in control, they get rid of the people in level two because they don't need any agitators and activists Mm -hmm. anymore. But level four is the conspiracy level where the demonic exists. And that's where the levers are being pulled to orchestrate all of this stuff coming together in a seemingly giant, clanging, banging chaos.
0: It is chaos. It absolutely but is. But it's
1: going in a very, it's, but it's going in a very organized direction. Yes. In other words, it, it's like the number of molecules in a mole. Remember, Avogadro's mm-hmm. constant. Okay. You've got all these molecules of a gas b- bouncing around at random, striking the side of the container. But over time, you can average out the, the effect they're having. We call that pressure. Okay, So that's what it is. It's clanging, it's banging. A lot of the early elites that wrote in the 70s and 80s said it would look like that, this big clanging and banging going around. People couldn't figure out what's going on. That's why you have to get above it and look at the trends Mm -hmm. and say, all right, here's where we're headed. Uh, Social credit on one side, debanking on the other, Mm -hmm. financial crisis coming, stampeding everybody into a new system. Wow. And you can see you can see real clearly where these are coming together.
0: Yeah, it's the big clang theory. Yeah, definitely the big clang. theory. <laughs> yeah, the thinks- big clang theory.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to use that. I got to use it.
0: <laughs> well, and it's true. I mean, it's because it, Satan is the author of confusion, and and it, it gets people uh thinking i i can't take this in i can't absorb it it's too much so they check out and they don't even try to understand it but i wanted to ask you about about the mark yeah. of the beast and it, you know it is an eternal decision and god is good and god is just and he desires that none should perish will it It will be clear to people what decision they are making will this because it says and they still did not repent from their sorceries and their uh you know so there's a lot of hard-heartedness going on i trust that god will make it clear to people that this is an eternal decision
1: uh, yes. Um, not just, I'm not, not sure just how clear. Be- yeah. yeah I, see, I'm not, I'm not sure because remember what God does at some point is if you reject God and you don't seek Him, He wants people to mm-hmm. seek Him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, He finally says, okay, well, have it your way. He says, not only have it your way, let me help you. And He hands uh-huh. them over to that spirit of, uh, lesting, as it says yes. in the scripture, you know, hearing they might understand and seeing they might comprehend. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not sure, but it will be a decisive moment in the history of the world, so much so that, as you well know, the, the plagues and things that come upon the people who mm-hmm. do take the mark. It, it, it's more than just a chip in your hand or a barcode, uh, like an infrared barcode where you can't see it visibly, but as soon as you put it under a scanner, it can be read by an infrared light. Uh, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. It's a, an acceptance of a clearly Luciferian system. But today, how many people have discernment to know that that's what it will be when it presents itself? Yeah. How many will just say for security and safety, I'm just going to go do this because, well, you just got to do it, you right. know? or I can't believe God wouldn't want my family to eat, that sort of thing, emotion-based,
0: right? And I keep coming back to Romans 1 because I've read it for years and years and years, but all of a sudden it seems to be three-dimensional. God gave them over to a debased mind, a mind that does not work the way it was intended to work. And this is why we're seeing such people losing their minds over gender and all these other things because they can't put together a rational thought I mean, is that what we're looking at? Andy Woods calls it the the abandonment stage. You know, God is abandoning us, or the abandonment stage of where um, people have made their decision. And so seeing God give people over, are we seeing that with our own eyes? That's just an amazing thing to behold.
1: In some cases, maybe, but I still think it's the day of salvation. Okay. I still think the field is out there to rescue people that will be listened to, or that will listen to you. Uh, maybe it's like the seventy when they were sent out, and Jesus said, "Go into a village. If they listen, fine. If not, take your sandals yeah. off, brush the dust off, and yeah. say the heck with you, and okay. move on." Okay. And I think that's you know the the harvest is in the end times. I I never thought I would see end times prophecy mm-hmm. fulfilled as fast yes. as we have now. Yes. You know, when Hal Lindsey wrote "The Last Days of the Late Great Planet Earth" in the seventies, um, we still couldn't quite see how all this was going to work. Right now, you can see it. You go, I got it. Well, how does the statue talk? You know, the statue of the beast. Yeah, well, right. artificial intelligence. Right. Well, we can see that already with deep fakes. Right. It. It. We can see it all. That's yeah. what's neat. And, it is amazing. And re- yeah, and remember when Daniel in in the let from Daniel seven to nine, um, Daniel asked twice. Uh, Gee golly willikers. I don't know if that's in Hebrew or not, <laughs> but what does this all mean? And yeah. he was told, never you mind, this is for the time of the end, because only those believers in the end would need to wow. know. Wow,
0: what a privilege it is. We are out of time, John. I'm thinking of what Jesus said, the things that must quickly come to pass and he's talking about a word there that you find the word tachometer it means once it gets going it really rolls thank you so much john leffler uh we just have 30 seconds left uh visit stand up for the truth uh we've had so many great guests over the years on stand up uh, go to standup for the truth.com sign up for the podcast digest we're also shadow banned on social media please share the podcast with friends and family um uh, Wow what times we living in we really appreciate John Leffler. Therefore my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for joining us.